8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. So much to talk about today. I'll tell you what. I'll start with the soccer that Pirates are leading Cape Town City by two goals to nil. That's in the PSL. We'll give you updates on that game. We'll certainly give you an update on the, the European Champions League games on the go as well. Games starting at seven, games at nine. We'll cover all those scores as we get into the politics of what we normally talk about. And today we have a fascinating big hitter from Niger uh, who's in South Africa right now. We will also talk in terms of the big picture with uh, Terry Oakley-Smith about a, a person who's now called... The president, Ramaphosa, the K word, and, and where does that end and what does it mean? And finally, we look at the, the, the cost, not in human cost, but in financial costs of car theft and hijackings before we get to the late night drama, the book of Zone 6. So lots to talk about. You can engage with me. My name is Ashraf Garda. Welcome to the show. 0891104207. That's the call in number. Love to hear from you. Male, female, first time callers, people from South Africa, people from Niger. You're all welcome. Absolutely. And if you are tweeting, then hashtag SFM viewpoint is the is the connection that you need to tweet. Please do that. And then tag me, Ashraf Garda, as well as uh, tag SAFM Radio. Looking forward to hearing your engagement with us. As always, original thoughts are indeed welcome. But let's get to the big hitter. So, he's interesting. He's from Niger. He spent some years in South Africa. Wrote a book while he was in this country. Uh, he just told me that uh, he spent lots of time in West Africa, but he's currently in uh, in Germany and maybe moving to another country soon. So clearly he's a man of the world and uh, we're looking forward to pick his brain and many things. His name is Rahman Idrisa and uh, he's an author, amongst many other things. He's the author of a book titled The Politics of Islam in the Sahel Between Persuasion and Violence. So Author of The Politics of Islam in the Sahel. That's the name of the book, Between Persuasion and uh, and Violence. So, um, Rahman, welcome welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. You, you're, the you. Big, you're the big hitter for the night. Thank you, thank you. I don't know what that means, but it's <laughs> impressive. Well, it, it, it means we, we think you're big enough to handle one hour of the show. That's, that's basically what it is. Okay, Let's start with why are you here? What are you doing here? So, I, I mean, you, you spent some time before, but yes. at the moment you're visiting, right? Yes, yes, yes. I actually spent the entire year of 2016 mm-hmm. in... Uh, in Johannesburg, I was uh, a fellow of uh, an WITS institute called the Society Work and Politics Institute. And basically, I came here to, to write this book. And so now I am back in Johannesburg to present it, which is very natural since, uh, since I wrote it here. Okay, so w- why would you write a book about the, the Sahel region? We'll talk about what that region means from South Africa. What, be the, what would be the specific reason why you need to be here to have written a book about a different part of Africa? I didn't need to be here. It was really happenstance. I actually had a very different project when I applied to come to uh, to Vitz to, to work. Mm-hmm, and I have mm-hmm. a different book project, but then I was also working on this issue of uh, of uh, political Islam, political okay. uh, v- violence and, and, and Islam in, in the Sahel region. And many people were very interested in that when it was pre- I presented uh, papers in, uh, in Europe, in the United States, in Africa. And there was uh, a, a, a good... good good deal of interest about it, mainly because, especially in English-speaking countries, people do not know much about the Sahel. Uh, the Sahel is, uh, is a French-speaking, in fact, region. So, so there was interest in it. And in the end, I had uh, a contract with Routledge to, walk, to, to write this book right before I, I would come to Johannesburg. So I, 
I asked my my colleague at at uh, Swap Society Work and Politics Institute if they would allow me to change tack and instead of working on a project for which I applied, if they okay. would allow me to <laughs> to work on this, and they say, yeah, 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 well, sure, because we also we want to know more about the, the Sahel. So absolutely, so that's how that. So happens. that's what's what's happened. So the book is called The Politics of Islam in the Sahel, and currently you you've been presenting. Is this yesterday you did that? Right? Yes, yes. Did you was the presentation simply about the book or other things as well? Well, the presentation was about a book, but it was also happening in a in a framework of a colloquium organized by by SWAP on on the on the theme of violence. Uh, uh, mostly in concerning South Africa, so my book was a kind of the exotic <laughs> okay. spice. Uh, let, let's, of that get, let, let's then start with, with this region called the Sahel. You touched on being French speaking, so just define which countries form part of the African continent that is yeah. also described as the Sahel region. Yeah, well, the Sahel, the, the word itself, it's, it's actually Arabic. It's Sahil, and it means the shores. And it, it's the same word that you find in East Africa with Swahili. Swahili and Sahil have actually the same mm. root. Mm. And in, in the case of Swahili, of course, it's the shores of the Indian Ocean that sees that connect the Bantu coastline to, to the Arabian Peninsula. In the case of the Sahel, it's the shores of the Sahara Desert, so it's a bit more poetic and metaphoric. The the Sahel, so it's the, or the, basically this kind of uh, region that that hugs the Sahara Desert from from the Atlantic to the to the Republic of Sudan. Uh, it includes uh, countries like Senegal, Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, Chad, Sudan. But the countries that I have studied in the book are Senegal, Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, and Northern Nigeria, which can be also considered okay. as and, part and, of the and maybe and maybe outside of if I got this right, outside of maybe Nigeria, all of them. Um, are uh, French-speaking in terms of the colonial language. Yes, yes. Uh, but but all of them ha- are effectively Muslim-majority countries. Yes. Have I, have I got that right? And yes. maybe Nigeria would be what the northern part of Nigeria. Yes, northern Nigeria. Speaking. Okay. Yes. So so let's then talk about it. Politics of Islam in the Sahel. What, what can you tell us about it? Well, uh, the the. Really, the thing that I was trying to understand at the beginning was the the, the, the issue of violence. Why why do we have uh, a war? We have a war in uh, in the Sahel around the Lake Chad. This very well known Boko Haram war. We have war in in northern Mali also, and all those wars mm-hmm. were being mm-hmm. are being waged in the name of Islam. So, kind of trying to understand those wars. I, trying to understand also the kind of terrorist attacks that are happening in Sahel that are not well covered in the media. I mean, you hear more about uh, terrorist attacks in the in West than in uh, in in West Africa, but in fact they are more numerous and more murderous in in West Africa than in uh, at least in Sahel than in uh, in uh, in Europe. So I was interested in that, but also kind of was trying to understand whether this did not play into something wider than just this violence. That this violence is just a symptom of something else, and what. The violence was a some symptom of is the thing that they call the politics of Islam, that meaning uh, the attempt of uh, groups uh, within Sahelian societies to change the nature of Sahelian societies, to change the nature of Sahelian state states in the name of Islam, but not necessarily violently. Actually, much much of this mm-hmm. politics is not violent, but of course, it's the violence that you you first see. So. Let's talk about some stereotypes here. The uh, yes, there there are many parts of the world that are that are hotbeds of politics and terror and terror attacks and disruption of societies, um, and and many of those those places, uh, be it Africa, be it Europe, be it the Middle East, have got one thing in common. They they may not be Muslim majority countries, but they certainly have Muslim presence in in those countries. So so the quick response has been that that the 
either the Islamic faith is a, a faith of violence, although it, I think it means peace, right? Uh, the actual definition, or there are people who who have adopted a very violent approach uh, and that manifest their, their belief or or their, their political agenda and, and using Islam through that and they're finding acceptance within that. Or that could be a third reason. W- w- which one's true here? To me, the, the phenomenon that I f- ended up finding when I was doing research of in, for this book is that uh, what we're really talking about is not religion, it's, it's uh, ideology. So the ideology that I'm, the, the group of people that I'm studying, I actually call them even political Salafi. Uh, Salafism is uh, a theology within Islam, but a theology that can be easily politicized because of certain uh, tenets, uh, principles that, that, that they have. So, so it's not really about Islam. Of course, Islam is a universe of religion and, and civilization, so you cannot really reduce it to the, to the actions of, 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 uh, of small political group. It's as if to say that the terrorist attacks uh, of the uh, Bader uh, band in Germany in the, in the mm-hmm. 1970s, uh, 1980s, you know, the, all those left-wing terrorism in Germany, uh, the um, uh, Red Red Army faction. Uh, you have all those groups where uh, abducting people, uh, planting bombs, etc., etc. It's as if you could we would reduce that to saying all of all of Western civilization is violent because we have that that phenomenon. I think it's just a lack of comprehension of the complexity of what Islam really is. Is, is it is it not because I mean it's interesting you brought up the uh, I think the bar, the bar the mind of and one may talk about Ireland where one part yes. of Ireland was Catholic and the other Protestant. And and did the differences play out according to religious belief, right? So because yes. then it brings me back to where we are okay. now. If if it's simply ideology, that then why why are are people then taking Islam to the ideology? Why why is it not that that Boko Haram is simply a group of people who believe the ideology is right? It's not just ideology. It's it's Islam based ideology. It's uh, ideology that justifies itself uh, uh, from ideas uh, that are taken within Islam, uh, discourse language of Islam. Uh, but again, I mean, uh, it's it's the same thing with uh, uh, ideologies like socialism or, or, or Marxism. They take the inspiration from the massive uh, philosophy produced by the Europeans in, in the Enlightenment in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. But but you do not reduce uh, the uh, the uh, that that philosophy to what. Uh, socialist or Marxist or liberal ideologues are doing. So to me, that's how I see it. But there is a deep connection, of course, between a Salafi ideology and, and religion and Islam. And I can go into that, the, the, the theological intricacies, if you want, but okay. it's a bit but confusing. Maybe, maybe as a starting point, now, welcome <laughs> calls, by the way, 891 My guest is Rahman Idrisa. He's the author of a book called The Politics of Islam in the Sahel Region uh, Between Persuasion and Violence. He's from the Niger, but he wrote the book, by the way, in this country and is back here, what, four or five years or so later. Questions you may want to put to him. Uh, we certainly love to engage with him. He's our big hitter for the night. Can, can we then say, we, and let's talk, we're talking about the politics of the world, of, of let's say the Muslim world, uh, in in the last 30, 40 years. Can, can we say that that the, the politics somehow, whether you, you mentioned the, the Salafism, or maybe we'll talk about that just now, but, but others as well, they, they found interpretations in in the holy book, in their holy book, in the Quran, um, to to very easily win over support and to justify a view which which in effect is very un Quranic, un Islamic and very much against the tenets of the faith. But they found it in the same way, for example, that 
apartheid South Africa where somehow white South Africa was able to find certain interpretations in the Bible and almost played it up that yes. being being anti pro white anti black was was yeah. was the Christian thing to do. Yeah, yeah, and and the, this this uh, the the amount of success that they have all the in the book I actually uh, studied their history going back to the 1940s 1950s when they were less well known and the, all the kind of changes that they went through up until today. Mm-hmm. So and that actually is allows me to show that. It's not just the discourse that is having an impact. It's also because the world is changing. It's also because of the political processes, the political events that were happening in the world. Uh, for instance, uh, the, the the rise of, of this political Salafism, uh, curiously enough, coincides through, throughout the Sahel with democratization uh, in the 1990s. That's when really they, they started to... To, to have access to the public square, uh, to manage to have this discourse of persuasion, what they call persuasion, mm, mm. basically trying to win over the hearts and minds of people. Uh, and, and, and this happens in this context of democratization, but also uh, economic uh, crisis and, and, and deterioration. So people looking for more, uh, for orientation in, in a way, so, so you, you have certain moments of, of history where people are more receptive to a certain language that has been there mm, before. Mm. So I think that's also one of the things that this but, book But is, is it fair to say, therefore, that, that <coughs> and, and I think, I mean, let me correct me if I'm wrong, I think, what, one in five people in the world uh, are adherents to the Muslim faith. So like them or don't like them, they, as, as a grouping, they have massive clout that can't be ignored, right? But for whatever reason, the, the current narrative of, of the Muslim faith and the Muslim, and I'm using different words, Muslim mm-hmm. faith, Muslim ideology of the Muslim world is is one of of terror. It's it's a narrative that has come to the fore. Yes, yes, but I that's that's because of what is happening. That's because we have terrorists who who, who are doing what they're doing in the name of their conception of Islam. And also that's that that is coming from, as I said, um, lack of understanding of of what is behind this word, this word Islam. So, um, uh, yeah, what can I say? I mean, uh, <laughs> well, we'll pick up on that. Let's let's talk. Yes. And the question I'm very interested in is what what is the, what does the Muslim world do about that? If in fact that uh, that these people are but you know, the, the, the one, yeah. there is something that maybe I should point out is that most of the victims of of terrorism and jihadism are Muslims. And in fact, uh, if you if you take this ideology, one one of the things that I say in the book that is that religion does not need an enemy, ideology needs one. Maybe religion does need an enemy, but it used to be Satan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. ideologies they they need enemy in this world, and this political Salafism ideology, I I was able to define it as an ideology in part because I was also able to show what who they think their enemies are. And they think that their enemies are, of course, the usual suspects like okay. the West. Right. Maybe, maybe hold it because I want you to develop right. that. Who would be the enemy? And, and please bring okay. it up just now as well. But I want to get to some callers as All well. Right. My my guest, my big hitter for the night, Rahman Idrisa from the Niger, but the author of The Politics of Islam in the in the Sahel Region Between Persuasion and Violence. Well, what is your viewpoint? What would you like to ask him? 0891-104207. I'll get to Innocent. I'll get to Safudi. I'll get to you in a moment. If you're active on social media and love SAFM, we hope you'll take a moment to like or follow our SAFM page on Facebook and Twitter. These are the best places to find all the guest information, conversations and stories you love from your favorite presenters along with regular updates from SABC News.
don't forget, you can send your questions to feedback at safm.co.za. SAFM, leading the conversation. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. Okay, let's get to let's get to some calls. Okay, let's. Uh, Safuri, you first up. Hello. Evening, Ashraf, and your guest. Good talking to you. Thank you. Right, go ahead. Ashraf, the effect of Arabization of Africa, accompanied by Islam, has been detrimental to the continent. Same like Christianity, you know. I'll call to you. I'll tell you about the, the Nubians who used to be in the majority in the so-called Egypt. Okay, but, but, but let me ask you the Sefudi. Can we, can we, but, but Sefudi, Sefudi, hold, hold it once. Sefudi, you need to listen to me. We, we, you know, what we can't do is every day go back into history for centuries. What we're particularly interested in is where we are as countries within a continent right now. So if you wish to talk about what your understanding of the politics of Islam in, in, in the continent, in the Sahel region, and maybe in, in throughout the world right now, especially around terror and persuasion, feel free to do that. What I'm terror, reluctant to do is to go back hundreds of years because we're not going to get anywhere. Perpetuated then. Terror was perpetuated by the arrival of Islam in Africa to an extent that what you call Tunisia today, what you call Egypt today, what you call Sudan today, there was decimation. And the genesis of that was imperialism, capture, and slavery. Okay. Now we say it, we talk about it now, but it's been there since the 1700s. Okay, Let's, now, thanks for now, that call. Now, now yeah. Ashraf, we're talking about it now. But it's been like that since time immemorial. Like Christianity, it was, uh, it was about capture, plundering, and violence. Remember, if you arrive in a continent, a place of people, you change their way of living. You say their way of living is hidden. Okay. All right, Sefudi, Sefudi, I'm not gonna. Sefudi, we're not gonna go down a whole lot of ideological issues around things which will go back centuries. Let's get my guest to respond to what you're saying. Okay, thank you for that call. Uh, respond to that. Well, <laughs> so there's two things. I mean, he's not touching yes. on the current situation, but he's yeah. suggesting Islam and Christianity, in fact, um, have, have done the African continent a disservice. Well, well, you, when you say Islam, what is Islam? I mean, maybe people who identify as Muslim did engage in yeah some pretty nasty things, or Christians, some pretty na- nasty things in their interaction with Africans in, in past centuries. But then many Africans became also Muslim. Many Africans be- became Christian. So how, how do you square that? Um, I'm, I'm not sure it is very helpful to, to, to put things in that way. However, when he said that there is something interesting in, 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 the, in my book is that actually the Sahel, which is often seen as uh, a land of old Islam or mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. You know, place which is quintessentially Islamic, really became Muslim at least in, in a kind of sense of mass Islam, Islam as a mass religion, really became that in the 20th century for the most. And that happened 
because of colonialism. I mean, it is, it is very ironic. It's not something that the colonizers, in this case the French mostly, but also the British, it's not something that they sought, but because of the way in which they transformed the, the economy of the region, the way in which their policies transformed, managed to transform the society, those societies that have been actually very impervious to Islam Islamic culture in in past centuries, despite the fact that Islam was present, but as a minority religion mm-hmm. in, in in the area, all of a sudden they 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 became Islamized, and they became Islamized as a response to to European yes, colonialism. That's what exactly. You're okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So so and so that this is something recent, um, and so they were really kind of able to to. If if we go in the direction of what he's saying, uh, okay, blacks have been victims of. Of, of bad Muslims. I mean, they, they have been able to, to withstand. And the, the Arabs when, did not conquer, uh, at least not the Sahel. But of course, there are elements of, in the history that kind of support what but, but, but the last thing on that point, without getting into, because I'm just reluctant to go down hundreds of years. We're not no, yeah. But the last thing about it, when, when someone brings that up, uh, about the impact of colonialism, or, or rather colonialism mm. on the one hand, Christians and Muslims in the African continent, do you find it surprising that often people don't talk about the injustice of of, of Africans who had, yeah. who had performed uh, or practiced traditional faiths, African, but, yeah. but also had committed acts of violence against yeah, of Africans? Course. I mean, meaning it's across the board. Yeah, because this is a, an ideological discourse. It's not a, a discourse of, of, of wanting to know the reality. Because, of course, in the reality, uh, the, the African experience is not defined just by violence committed by people who you, you define as, as outsiders. It was also defined by... by I don't know what what you can call internal violence. So, um, but um, ideology is also a way in which you assert you assert your identity, a way in which you find a place in the world. So, I, I kind of kind of understand. I don't know. I do not approve of it as a historian, as someone who who, who studies those, those things uh, scientifically. I do not approve of it, but I. I kind of understand the, the hankering or the yearning that lead people to, to have that kind of discourse. I think it's also a discourse that, that is actually the product of, of what is, it is fighting. It is a product of okay. modernity. It is a product of... Let, um, let's get another yeah. call. That I welcome further thoughts on the, 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 let's call it the narrow topic of the politics of Islam in, in Africa. Uh, we're talking now contemporary Africa and specifically in the, in the Sahel region. Uh, and that's really the title of the book as well that Rahman Idrisa has, has written. Uh, Innocent, go ahead. Hello. Oh, Mr. Gada, how are you? I'm very good indeed. As always, good chatting to you. Uh, let me greet uh, uh, Mike. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Thank you. How are Mr. you? Mr. Book, Mr. Book, my brother. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, my first question, it will be that, uh, uh, how, how, how difficult was it uh, for you to gather this information to come up uh, with this book? Uh, more especially for you to travel, uh, coming to the other side of the country, wherever you don't belong to. Wasn't it, is the second question, wasn't it riskful for you? Isn't it riskful for you as a writer? to gather such information like this, more especially politically. And the third question will be that religiously, I would just like to know what is your religion. Thank you very much. Asha. Okay, got that. Thank you. Right. Uh, respond? Okay, well, um, I have been working on this for actually uh, years and years. So the information, I mean, I'm a political scientist. I, I have a doctorate in political science. I, I wrote my dissertation in 2009 on this on this topic, and I've been working on it 
basically since the late 1990s. So okay. I, <laughs> I have had uh, lo- lots of time to gather information, do interview, meet people, collect doc- documents, etc. And I, I must say, uh, when I came to Johannesburg to write this book in 2016, I was really amazed by the by the resources of the University of David Patterson. They have this uh, v- wonderful library. I was really able to find uh, most of the books that I needed uh, to substantiate and find quotations. They have also a very wonderful interlibrary loan system that I, 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 I took advantage of. So, so the fact of being here, but I was in a, in a, in a world class university, so mm-hmm. so that really helped. And you didn't get into trouble, as as per the call. Were you threatened in any way? Was it difficult? Did you get into trouble? Uh, uh, I think he meant probably getting into trouble in in the Sahel. I, right? I would think so. Maybe because because of of of, of, uh, of what I'm writing. No, not really. Because in fact, I think most of the violence is is concentrated in in parts of the Sahel. There is no this. Um, uh, and, and also, this movement is mostly uh, peaceful. It's mostly p- pacific, but but people do not know it because in in my in the in the book I explain it. So I, I I have never been threatened, and and I do not feel threatened. And actually, I presented the book in many of the countries before coming to uh, to Johannesburg, and and it was very well received. Um, third question is my faith. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm basically a philosopher, so I, I don't know if that responds to your question. But a philosopher is is not very much, <laughs> very much into into uh, you know uh, being a true believers, true true believer in in a faith. I respect religion. Uh, religions. I'm very curious about religions. Uh, I I am fascinated by Islam, but also by Christianity and, and African religions. So, but at bottom, I'm a philosopher. Okay, there we are. And there's maybe more thoughts and you can certainly raise it. Let's go back to, to the point about the what you call the, the, the Salafis. So so who are who are the Salafis and, and what and if I understand you correctly, that they've had a certain <coughs> impact uh, in terms of the geopolitics of yes. well, what, Africa and Europe mm. as well? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. They're very much present in Europe and, and in the Middle East. Uh, and there are Salafism I could say is basically uh, the, the 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 idea that you can live an orthodox Islamic life just by acquiring the knowledge of Islam, and you can acquire the knowledge is, of Islam because there is no mystery in religion. The the way to do it, you read the Quran, you read Hadith. These are the kind of sayings mm-hmm. of the Prophet Muhammad. You you know his life, the Sirah, and and you know the the exegesis of of the Quran, the Tafsir, etc. So so the, these are all basically textual. Uh, or things that have been uh, noted down in a book, and by knowing that you 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 know how to follow the the way of Islam, the Sharia, and and you know how to be, become a, a a true Muslim, a muminin, a a, mm-hmm. a true mm-hmm. believer. Uh, so how, how does the, the, the Salafis then uh, yeah. differ from how others have? have practiced the Islamic faith in the last... Yeah, of, obviously what I was describing there is not kind of uniquely Salafi. Mm-hmm. I, to me, what, what I, I find is very distinctive of the Salafi is that their, their notion that, but if you want to be that uh, orthodox Muslim, people around you also have to respect the Muslim faith. Society also have to be Muslim. And, and, and in a sense especially in the modern world where, where society is really national, society is the nation. We are in, in a world of nation states. So if, if society has to be Islamic, therefore the state also has, has to be Islamic. So, so I think what is distinctive of Salafism is this veering toward politics in a sense. 
and, and this deep connection between religion and, and politics. And that's, in fact, why I call it political Salafism, although this is kind of a, a pleonasm mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in a sense, because the politics is already in, in it. But I mean, the other part, and, I, and I've often heard this before, that from people, and, and I will say that, unlike me just being the philosopher, I, I am certainly an adherent of the Muslim faith, that... People always talk about the Islamic faith as uh, in, literally as 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 a as not a religion but a way of life and and politics and and worship are both part of the of the broader Islamic faith, right? My my question, therefore, to you is that how has this the Salafism impacted on on the politics of of Muslim countries and the politics of the region? I think you're very right, uh, and and I don't even think that is really true only of Islam. I think all religious, all religions are act actually way of life, and including Christianity. And all religions ha seek to have influence on the state. I mean, look at the United States. I mean, uh, the, the 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 weight of, for instance, evangelical Christian Christianity mm. on on the on several uh, U.S. presidents, including the present one, uh, uh, Donald Trump. So uh, so so religion and and just the way of life and as a civilization that's why you say you know, islam is a civilization this is this to me is uh, is uh, completely obvious and evident but uh, i am trying to separate uh, salafism from this general idea of of islam as a way of life islam as society as 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 in also politics by insisting on the fact that they have also this ideological dimension that you do not find in all expressions of islam and, 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 and in fact, you can measure that by the response to Salafism that you see in, in Sahelian publics. Give, 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 give me examples of that. Well, I mean, uh, the, the main method of action of Salafism is not violence, it's persuasion. And persuasion means that they're trying to convince people to, to believe in their ideals. And they're trying to do that by uh, building schools, like madrasa schools, by doing good works, but especially by preaching, preaching, preaching. Mm -hmm. And they're preaching in, 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 in gigantic gatherings. They, they, can, they can fill stadiums. And, and does, it, does it work? We're talking about the persuasion. Part. Yeah, so, so it, it works, but only to an extent from what I have seen. It works in the sense that people became, become more aware of certain dimension of Islam, like the social and, and, and moral dimension. But it does not go to the political uh, dimension, which is very important uh, to, why, to, to why, why does it not go, go there? I think because um, politics is always a kind of minor terrain, and, and uh, all the Sahelian states um, are what I call in the book civil states. That is, uh, they are states that are based on, the, on this idea of citizenship. The citizens being people who have individual uh, equal rights and, and obligations regardless of gender, race, uh, religion, etc., etc. So, and they're very much wedded to this. And, and this, is, this has to do with their history, especially the French-speaking uh, part of the Sahel mm -hmm. who have uh, inherited this uh, uh, republican ideal uh, from French colonialism and who have this idea that a state is by 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 definition laic this is the French word for secular but really it's like political secularism so so they're really kind of very attached to this concept of of etat laic of of secular state this is more true in the French speaking countries than in northern Nigeria uh, so so you have that and 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 adhering to the political uh, objectives of the Salafi is very subversive. It means that you're actually going to go against the state and 
and no one takes that lightly uh, unless there, there there are huge amounts of injustice. So as a result, does does the the Salafi expression of Islam then put them up against? Uh, the the political leaders of of a region, and always does that. Yeah, pretty much. But it's not they they do not have this uh, frontal assault against mm-hmm. uh, political leaders. For instance, uh, and that's why I mentioned the democratization uh, uh, issue in the 1990s. That's when all those states democratized and then became really these civil states. And and you had then Salafi groups who wanted them to participate in politics and they wanted to create. Uh, Islamist parties, but because of this concept of a laic of secular state, they were forbidden from creating uh, uh, so religious-based parties. Yeah, yeah, Islamist parties. So, but they were allowed to create Islamist associations or press and and whatnot. And so they 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 accepted that they could not create uh, parties, but then they tried to develop their agenda and foist it on the on the secular parties so they they had friends among the secularists of course because of course this mm-hmm. these are you know they know they know each other so they created lobbies etc that that's how they kind of try to push their agenda and in some in some aspects they they were successful fascinating indeed i certainly will talk about you know besides just salafis as we know them the issue of, of Boko haram who are they uh, because that that is smack bang in the region that we that we talk about uh, and more of course mike from durban however is calling in mike go ahead hello Hi, Ashra. Yep. I'm I'm an amateur researcher. I've gone right back to the Roman times with Islam. Right. Your guest, I never called his name. So, so it's Rahman, right? Rahman. Rah, Rah, with oh. an R. Good Rahman Idrisa. Yeah, yeah, good evening, like Michael. To, uh, put a put a few things to him. Uh, the one is, can he explain why the Biafran tribe... No less than 96% of them were wiped out in Nigeria in the late 1960s. I didn't get that. And then... I didn't get that. Okay, just just repeat repeat that question again. Uh, uh, Rahman's just battling to hear what you said, Biafran, yeah? The Biafran tribe in Nigeria, no less... They were, they were Muslim. Ismail, uh, uh, they were wiped... No less than 96% of the tribe was annihilated in Nigeria. In the late 1960s. Oh, the Biafra War. I right. Yes, the Biafran tribe. Yeah. So what, what's, your, what's your point about it? Gone right back to the Roman times when the Romans booted the, the Moors out of Portugal and Spain and then <coughs> came across to Africa and made their way down. Okay, but what, no, what's your, what's your point? I'm just trying I to understand what you... Your guest went back. No, but I, I'm still trying to understand what are, you, what are you asking actually, Mike? Well... Uh, if he could tell us, does he know the story about the Biafrans? Uh, we'll find out. I'm not sure he's going to go that far back, but let, let's find out. Thank you. Thank you for that call. Okay. Right, Mike. Go, go ahead. But, but Biafra is not very ancient. Biafra is in the 1960s. And yeah. and it was not a tribe. Biafra was uh, the project of a state. Uh, Biafra was a rebellion from uh, a, the majority ethnic group in southeastern Nigeria called the Igbo. And the Igbo wanted to create a state, and they called that state Biafra, and mm. they wanted to, to secede from Nigeria. And one of the reasons that they put forward for this secession is that their culture does not sit well with Islam. Biaf- uh, the Igbo, are, they have an in indigenous religion, mm. and they also have a majority Roman Catholic 
faith. So, so they really wanted to just create their own country. But that kind of led to a war uh, against the Nigerian state. And it's, it's, a, it's the bloodiest war uh, ever in, in, in sub-Saharan Africa, I think. I, I don't remember the figures, but it was, it was extremely brutal. It was not very long. I think it lasted for two years. But it was it was extremely bloody. But not ninety five percent of them did not die. Okay, as, as you suggested. <laughs> and the Igbo are still a very important All community. Right. In let's Nigeria let's today. talk about about Boko Haram. Who who are they, uh, and and what has given rise to them? Boko Haram are disappointed people. I mean, uh, basically, they are people who uh, were who became convinced that persuasion did not work. It's precisely because of what I was t- saying that people were listening to the social and moral dimension, but not the political one. So they were saying, okay, we will never persuade those people to embrace the idea of an Islamic state. We have to go into a jihad. And so, they, so that's what they did. They denounced the Nigerian state. They first, it was first uh, terrorism, tactical uh, mm-hmm. violence, like attacking police forces, gen- uh, uh, the army, or, or civil servants. That was in the early 2000s. And then by the end of the 2000, uh, towards 2009, it, it started to become a, a much more serious affair. And, and so, and the, the founder of this movement called Muhammad Yusuf wrote a book, actually, which is a manifesto of Boko Haram. And in it, he he explains that uh, uh, Muslims cannot live in, in this kind of state where you have democracy. And, and he, he lists several things that he reproaches democracy, like, okay, it allows for this freedom of expression means mm. that you can actually make blasphemy and, and nothing will mm. happen. If, if it's ruled by the majority, then we can, a, a hypocrite or, or, or an unbeliever can, can rule everyone, you know, all those kind of things. So he, he has this idea of the, of the caliphate that, that we need to create. And the caliphate is uh, this ideal Islamic state where everything is in, in the right place according to a certain view of Islamic orthodoxy. So that's, what, that's the project. Uh, and they also thought that uh, this is a legitimate project because, first, uh, uh, Islam is just this superior, perfect religion that everyone actually needs, even, they, even mm-hmm. if they don't know it. And also, it is um, a revenge against the British who destroyed uh, the, what they, what, a state that existed before coloni- colonization that was called the Sokoto Caliphate that was created by jihadists in 1803 and was conquered by the British exactly 100 years okay, later. Okay, so this was the response against their response. Yeah, yeah. and said, so, so, so now you're restoring this, this, this old did they, order. Did they, were they able, because I mean, I understand it, it's very, it's been very West, very anti-Western in its, in its ideology. Yeah, because like you have this idea of Boko and this idea yeah. of Boko really kind of I think to me the, the Boko really means what I call the civil state. You mm-hmm. know, the, this 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 idea of a state that that is a kind of an importation from the West because it's true true colonization mm-hmm. that that it came into 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 uh, Africa. But I can tell you how even this this word Boko Haram came came about because that's not their real name. The real name is in Arabic. Since I don't speak Arabic, I cannot tell you okay. it. But yeah. but it is it is basically the, the the group of people who who preach orthodoxy and and wage jihad, something like that. That's that's the the name th- that they have. But they are called Boko Haram because in the 2000s they were engaged in uh, other Salafi preachers who 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 did not want violence, 
who prefer this persuasion think. And, and one of the things that I would say in those debates that are happening in mosques is that working for Boko, meaning working for the civil government, for the non-religious government, for the secular mm, government, mm. is haram. Okay. It's, it's illicit. So, so you, you, you're yeah. propping up. So in South African terms, if you were, uh, we were speaking about what we call the Bantustans earlier today. Yeah. If you worked for them, you were, you were propping up apartheid. Even yes. if you're a black South African, yes. you're, you're a victim, yeah. but you're not a yeah. victim any yeah. longer. Yeah. That, that, sort of, yeah. did that ideology didn't gain currency. Does it have currency now? Uh, yes, I mean, not the violent part. I mean, the sal- political Salafism has wide currency in, in northern Nigeria. But people did not accept that you have to wage war against the state to, to advance it. The, although I think northern Nigerians are, at least the political Salafists in western Nigeria, Nigeria are really disappointed by, by the outcome. Because the, the farther that they managed to go is to this, uh, this, I don't know if you heard of it in South Africa, but... In the early 2000s, all of the states in northern Nigeria, Nigeria is a federal uh, country, mm-hmm. so all of the states in northern Nigeria who are majority Muslim embraced what they call the Sharia implementation. Yeah, I'm aware so, of that. Yeah. So, and, and this is really the farthest that this Salafi agenda went because they, they managed to force all the politicians in northern Nigeria to embrace this, this Sharia implementation. But then what came of it was not uh, all that it cracked up to be because uh, what they dreamed Sharia implementation would accomplish was not accomplished. And, and, and now they don't see uh, a way forward. So that's why Boko Haram said, okay, the only way forward is violence. But then violence also. And in fact, uh, one thing about Boko Haram that n- deserves to be noted is that it's not all of northern Nigeria. It's, uh, it's a part of northern Nigeria. It's, it's uh, northeastern in Borno State. And there is a cultural difference there because Borno State, the northeastern Nigeria, is really a very specific um, uh, ethnic group okay. called the Kanuri. The rest of northern Nigeria are the Hausa and Fulani, dominated by the Hausa and Fulani. So Boko Haram was much more uh, successful among the Kanuri uh, and much less among the Hausa Fulani for cultural reasons, for historical reasons. Fascinating indeed. More to come from uh, our big hitter for the night. He's not from South Africa, but he's lived here for a, a year, a good few years ago. Rahman Idrisa is from Niger, in fact. Uh, and he's written a book called The Politics of Islam in the in the Sahel Between Persuasion and Violence. Looking at all of that, very, very interesting indeed. Colin, I'm going to talk to you in a moment. In fact, we can get to Colin now. Sorry, Colin, go ahead. Hello. Oh, yeah. Good evening, Ashra. Yeah, good, good, evening to your guest. good talking to you. Go good ahead. Evening. I was a bit of the, of the subject last night, but anyway, um, Ashra. Yeah. Um, I've heard of uh, Boko Haram and IS and Afghanistan and Pakistanis and all this and that. Uh, as far as I know, my little bit of history, uh, they all they are all Islamic states or countries, whatever it is. Now, the question I keep asking myself, if they are all Islam, how come there are, there are so many uh, divisions and divided, and they, they seem to be fighting each other? Is it for power, or is it a certain religion, or what? I, okay. I would like your guest to explain to me. Let's get come? a response on that, yeah. Okay, let's get a Thank response. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for that, uh, Colin. Respond to that? Yeah, well, because in Islam you have uh, different doctrines, you have uh, different interpretations of, of the faith. 
And once again, this is not unique to Islam. You have the same thing in, in Christianity. You have you have the Catholic. You have the Protestant. Even among the Protestants, you have you have several coteries. You have the Presbyterians, the Calvinists, the Lutherans, and they do not uh, all uh, agree. And therefore, uh, uh, they can actually fight uh, at some point, right? And also uh, mixed up with all of this, you have states, uh, and and states uh, are based on power. And, and states can use uh, religion uh, to 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 push their interest forward. So I think what you're seeing there is is really not something that is very astonishing. It, it's it's very natural. It would be it and would ultimately be so it's, it's a contest for territory, right? Yes, so exactly. So you may have you may have yeah. differences of understanding, but ultimately yeah. people compete for space yeah. and territory as as we do, and for resources and for all other things. So. So it's it would have been very surprising if there was if this strife did not exist actually. Okay, so. let's let's talk about uh, Al Qaeda and IS. Not quite in the Sahel region, but whether there's a there's a relationship around all of that. We'll do that in a moment. Whether you like it or not, the truth has a way of coming out. And never have I ever made out with a stranger. <laughs> Never have I ever had to do the walk of shame. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're old, I <laughs> Hashtag WTF to me, Mondays and Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m., only on SABC3. The Department of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries and its partners will undertake a major national awareness campaign during the National Arbor Month, September 2018, to highlight and bring attention to the value of trees, especially in the many disadvantaged communities who often live in barren and water-stressed areas. The program also seeks to create awareness on tree species that are threatened by extinction. This year's campaign is celebrated under the theme, Forests and Sustainable Cities. Brought to you by the Department of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries in partnership with Total South Africa. At SAFM Radio and at Ashraf Gada on Twitter. Rahman Idrisa is our big hitter. He's written a book called The Politics of Islam in the Sahel Region, which is that part of West Africa, predominantly French-speaking uh, and, and by and large predominantly Islamic as well. And uh, just thoughts from coming out of there in terms of what he said, persuasion or between persuasion and violence, who's succeeding and how are they doing just that. Maybe time for one or two more calls, maximum 0891-104207, Give it a go. Give us your viewpoint. I certainly want to hear it. Okay, let's let's talk um, the, the IS at the moment in terms of what has given rise to this IS or Islamic State? Islamic State? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> this is ancient history, uh, no, but not so, not so ancient in fact. Uh, in, my, in my understanding of it, you have to go back to probably 1979, if you don't want to go back to, uh, too far back. Uh, 1979, I don't know if... Uh, People remember what happened in Saudi Arabia in 1979. I'm aware of the Iranian Revolution first, and then the Saudi. No, before the Iranian Revolution. Yeah, before. Well, there were uh, there was an uprising of of people who called themselves the Ikhwan and who seized the 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 Masjid Al Al Haram, Mm -hmm. which is the the great mosque of 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 Mecca, uh, just at the end of the pilgrim of the Hajj. So they, 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 they seized the, the, the mosque and they occupied it for two weeks. And the Saudi uh, could not actually flush them out from them. They, from there, 
because the, the mosques have uh, uh, undergrounds, and so they went into the undergrounds, and they could they have they have food so there. Hidden, hidden away, yes, away, yeah. and they could drink the Zamzam uh, water, which is this this holy water uh, of, of Mecca. So in the end, actually, the Saudi had to ask the Westerners, the West, to come to to the to the rescue, to the rescue. <laughs> and and the, the French sent uh, special agents. Uh, to train the Saudi to to spread um, tear gas in, in the in, in the in the undergrounds of the of the Masjid al Haram, uh, the French, by the way, were not allowed to go to Mecca because they were deemed to be Christians. So mm. so they just trained the Saudi and Pakistani forces, I think, who who did the deed. But uh, the 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 point we of of that story is that these these people did this because they thought that the Saudi state was too secular. That the Saudi, Saudi okay. state was not Islamic, that the Saudi state was a, what they called in Arab mulk, just a secular kingdom, mm. and something that is corrupt. Uh, and, and in fact, Saudi Arabia, uh, before 1979, was uh, kind of enjoying the, the consumption culture of Western capitalism. You have, you have cinema, you, have, you had uh, women were actually allowed to drive, all that kind of stuff. It was a very different country. And then this thing happened. And in fact, the ideas of the, the, the Ikhwan were the ideas upon which the Saudi state was built in the 1920s. Because it is the idea of a, a, a form of Salafism that is called Wahhabi, Wahhabism, Wahhabiyya. Mm -hmm. and, and, so, and those are Puritans of Wahhabism. And so they were kind of taking t uh, the Saudi state to task for betraying its roots. And the Saudi, uh, the Wahhabi clerics who are allied to the Saud house who mm, ruled mm. Saudi Arabia were actually in agreement with with the Ikhwan but they also were you know kind of looking after their position exactly yeah. so so after this happened the whole Saudi establishment was scared to death and then on top of that you have the the, the Iranian revolution so that actually led uh, the, the Saudi uh, state to be reformed into this uh, the, the present Saudi state that we so, know so whereas the Ikhwan didn't succeed Yes, uh, in, in in toppling the, the Saudi monarchy, they succeeded yeah. in causing a shift. Exactly, so they uh, have a uh, victory okay. in in a sense, a posthumous victory because they okay. were of now, course where executed. does the IS then fit in? Well, because the, the culture that then uh, led to IS came from that. It is really this Ikhwan culture, uh, and and it has been in in a so in a in a, in a way outsourced. To, to Iraq because Iraq was a fertile ground for that because of the conditions that were created in Iraq by the post-Saddam uh, chaos. Can, can we say, I'm worried about time, there's four minutes to go, yes, can we say yes. that that whether it, it's IS and, and I mean by and large their actions have been abhorrent and, and absolutely out of kilter with, with, with even Islamic culture, my, my, I would yes. understand it, but, but they've gained currency because they've managed to sell their response ideologically persuaded yeah. as a response against what they seem as, as Western attempts to to pervert or to suppress their people. And that's a that's the quickest way to to gain followers. Yeah. Has that been the line is it a justified line? I think it's not the actions, the actual point. I think yeah, I think I think they were very successful in their propaganda for sure. But also you probably in order to understand why why they were successful you have to also look at uh, with whom they are successful. And in, in, in the Middle East, it would be with uh, uh, basically rural, uh, uh, socially, uh, no, economically deprived uh, Sunni population 
in, in, in Iraq who felt oppressed by, by the Shia mm. Nui kind of mm. uh, ascendancy. And then you have all those uh, Nui Muslims in Europe, people who are uh, dreaming about their roots, exactly like one of those scholars who, who was talking about how Africa was oppressed. Yeah, yeah. And so they have also this discourse about how, how Islam was oppressed. And, and those people are also people who do not know Islam very well especially those, those people in the West, actually even have, uh, in, in France, I know there are many who are not even Muslims, uh, but who, start, who, who love this, the, 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 the romance uh, of, of violence that was coming from ISIS. So, so it, it appeals is kind of uh, multifaceted. And that's, I think that's why it was so successful. If it was just focused on just convincing a Muslim that what we're doing is good, I think they would fail. Because, okay, where, yeah. where then somebody actually messaging, uh, I think called R, okay. absolutely enjoying the discussion and, and the clear uh, manner of explanation. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, explaining the matter in clear, rational, interesting ways. So well done to you, Rahmane Idrisa. We've got three minutes to go, or two minutes. So, w- with all that, and ideas for people to buy the book, The Politics of Islam uh, in, the, in the Sahel, and see how you can extrapolate that into other parts of the world. But where then does, does this faith of one in five people in the world, or maybe one in four, where does it fit in religiously and ideologically and politically in the world today? Oh, what do you mean where it fits? What I mean is that there appears to be this conflict between Muslims versus the but rest. But I don't, I don't really see the conflict. I, I see this ideological conflict, and I, I see the conflict in the perception that the Westerners are, have. But I don't see the conflict in the perceptions of Muslims, especially Muslims in the Sahel. They don't see it. They don't feel that they are in war with the West. Uh, uh, most of them, of course, the ideological ones have this sentiment, but most of them don't have this feeling. And, and I think they're the reaction all of the time when they 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 realize that the westerners are seeing them as this danger this menace this enemy is one of surprise uh in, in the mm, sahel mm. so so I, I i i think also one one thing that needs to be done is perhaps to better educate a people in the west about about the realities the realities of 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 islam but, 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 but and my the, book goes in that okay, direction here's the last part i mean donald trump's uh, exclusionism ah. policy and you're saying ah, we can talk for an hour about that and the fact that the point that you brought up that most of the Middle East uh, are run as monarchies and I see uh, a person asking about why is the Saudi Arabia now named after a Saud family isn't that the problem that in fact and I know this from my yeah. of the Islamic faith that, that, that the sense of a monarchy doesn't exist in Islamic uh, yeah. ideology so isn't that the root cause of the problem? Somebody has propped them all up, and therefore you're getting a response. Yes, 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 that. yes, yes, yes. And I don't know if I have time to say this, but in fact, this Saudi uh, system was created by the British. It was created by the British against the Ottoman Empire. That that is something that happened uh, in the in the run up to the second to the First World War, and immediately after the First World War, the the British basically said, "Look, we are the biggest Muslim power in the world today because most Muslims are in India, okay. not not uh, not, in, really, yeah. in, not in the Ottoman Empire. So we are the ones who are actually in charge of this religion, and we want the the center of it to be in Mecca, which is the spiritual, the and normal not center, and not Istanbul. Yeah. So so and 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 we will protect Mecca with the Royal Navy." So they really kind of propped up uh, Mecca against uh, against Istanbul. And gave it to a family and say, you run the place. Exactly. And the family of Saud. Maybe that will yeah. help you answer the question. Yeah. Love to talk more. Our time is yeah. up. Uh, where can we get the book? <laughs> 
That's a good question. Uh, unfortunately, on Amazon, that's okay. for well, now. Maybe Am- Amazon is the way to do it. I- yeah. I'll certainly post pictures of the book, The Politics of Islam in the Sahel. Fascinating book and great chatting to you, Rahman Idrisa, who's you, the author of that book and our big hitter for the night. We'll talk racism, the latest version of it against the president in a moment. Let's get to the news now. It's just gone nine o'clock.